think um, I think it is interesting because I do think it it will be fascinating to see what what happens with the interview platform and the interview process with all of this technology, especially video. I don't know. This is only slightly related. I know we mentioned automation and avatars, but did you see the pizza commercial that came out? The AI generated pizza and beer commercial. No. Oh, I should yeah. have queued it up for it. It's it's delightful and and horrifying. It AI generated what it thought a beer commercial should be, uh, and it gets the spirit of the commercial right, but it still hasn't quite figured out how we drink and eat and like there's a pizza and it's just horrifying. I'll have to pull the link up. Yeah, I would like to see they that. Pull it up and their mouth goes way out here and the hand. It's oh, it's, it's nightmare fuel. <laughs> not my favorite. So it clearly hasn't made it hasn't made it to uh, Australia yet. No, no, not yet. It normally takes things a couple of days. <laughs> Maybe you've got a better gate for content than we do. <laughs> better filter on your browser. Know, don't they say that TikTok is filtered depending on the audience? Maybe we're we're seeing different things in Australia. It could be. I have we're a ridiculous seeing, TikTok. We're probably seeing Chinese paranoia coming through strongly, I would say. Though I suspect you get a bit of that in America too. Yeah. My, my TikTok is still stand-up comedians uh and not so clearly there's an algorithm that's working to my no no brainer <laughs> scroll yeah it's some good aussies stand-up comedians that's yeah. something to do with to australia yeah all right well i we will be there in november that. yeah i will be there in november we'll work something out mm. well uh we have a we have a lot to talk about and a little bit of time to do it are you, are you ready to get started for sure there we go okay here we go <laughs> Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. Welcome to another edition of Recruiting Community. I am Chris Hoyt, your host for the next uh, 20 or 30 minutes or so. This is a live stream today. So if you are joining us live on the link book or the Facebook, the, the YouTube book, all the other social channels, uh, go ahead and look for a little chat window. You can drop in uh, any questions you might have for the guests today or for any of us uh, who are on the show. Uh, you can talk to each other. So let us know that it's working. Just uh, drop a note in there. It's also a great way. We've seen a couple of folks uh, who are on uh, LinkedIn dropping in their their uh, LinkedIn profiles. So that's a really great way for you to do a little bit of networking uh, with the other folks that are attending today. Uh, I want to remind everybody that this is not a pay to play uh, podcast. We don't have any ads uh, or any sponsorship. This is just a little labor of love and show that we put together to talk with people that we think are doing cool stuff in the work uh, and, and in this space. And so we want to draw a little bit of attention to that. I've got my uh, my spirit animal with me today, Mr. Crispin. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm, I'm almost recovered. Oh, that's right. You just you just got back uh, from a big trip. I did. Uh, Twelve of us in Israel was uh, for a week was amazing, and uh, we saw professors and students and employers and startups and all kinds of stuff, as well as you know Masada, Jerusalem, etc. So, yeah, I'm still processing. I haven't quite figured it all out. Well, the, the good news is, Jerry, uh, we're setting up a short series of podcasts uh, with some of the folks that you went on the trip to Israel with, the, uh, that were in the delegation. 
uh, and you can share with folks what's what what were the big aha takeaways? Yeah, yeah, very cool. <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before before we jump in, uh, I do want to share a little bit of work that's been done. Uh, we've had quite a few people that have helped with this program, and it's called uh, TA Talk Tank. And it is a result of the CXR Foundation, which is a nonprofit for those who, who aren't aware. It's CXR.Foundation. Yes, it is a URL, believe it or not. Uh, but the idea here is that we are, we are attempting to reinvent uh, mentoring or reimagine coaching. And I, I hesitate to use the phrase just in time, uh, but it is a brief sort of rapid fire approach. And I'll, I'll walk the site through here, but Jay, I'll, I'll give it, you're a little more poetic than I am uh, often in explaining some of, some of these things. Do you want to share a little bit of, a little bit of a pre maybe an evaluation of sort of what, what we've worked on and, and have propped up? A absolutely. So the quick, the quick answer to this, uh, because somebody at my door is, <laughs> Is this is like a you know a, a one-stop shop coffee, if you will, a, mm -hmm. a virtual coffee in which I could pick the brain of someone who could help me think about my next job, think about my career, or whose career I'd be fascinated but to learn more about. And so that's that's the powerful piece of this. And I'm I'm hopeful that um, you know folks in our our space will take advantage of it as well as contribute to it by willing to be, you know, have their brain picked, if you will, over a virtual coffee. Yeah. And I know we, we have some folks listening, but if you're watching, I'll show this. I want to show how easy uh, this has been done. We're pulling up a screen share really quickly. Uh, this is this is it. It's tatalktank.com. It's super simple. Uh, when you log in, you're going to see any number of folks in here who have already started to jump in with a soft launch last week. You've got chief people officers, head of people. Uh, you've got some executive recruiters, directors, leaders. But the ability to just go in and quickly and easily decide if you want to be a mentor or a mentee. So that's sort of more of a coach piece, right? And the idea here to Jerry's point is that we're really looking at, at trying to address those, those single conversations that you have that sort of change your direction or change your mindset about your career or your position or your momentum even. So this is not a, a lengthy mentoring program. Uh, this is sort of a series of conversations that you can set up and do a little matchmaking for. In this instance here, and I'll just walk you through it, I put in I'm a mentor and mentee. You can easily see here, just put in your title. Uh, you've got some disciplines that you can select from, various industries that you're in, location. You can paste in a little bit of it about you. If you've got a CV or a resume, <laughs> we're going to talk about that. If you've got a CV or a resume, you can upload those here. It's not required, however, because rumor is they're dying. Uh, but you can list in here also as a mentor what you're looking for. And um, there we go. And from a mentorship, what you want to get out of that. If you're going to mentor, you can also listen, list the number of mentees uh, that you're willing to take on. In this instance, I'm willing to connect with three. I do have a little bit of coaching experience there. I can click continue. And then I get a list of folks here that I can immediately ping and connect with. Uh, so I can reach out directly. So you can additionally do some search. So if I'm looking more for a head of maybe, yeah, we have a few in here, head of people and talent, head of talent acquisition, that sort of thing. If I think I'm looking for more of a VP level, uh, I can search by title. You can see here, Jen Tracy, we've got Joe Murphy, Rachel. So there's a lot of really great stuff. There's Mike Dwyer. Uh, so a lot of really great stuff in here. It's a unique opportunity uh, to go ahead and, and lean in to the community. So we encourage everybody to sort of check that out. Uh, and again, it's going to be ta talk tank. 
www.alisoncruz.com. It is free. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, and it was built. Uh, Allison Cruz, Susan Lamott, Liz Gallup O'Connor, Joe Shaker, and several others uh, did this as volunteer work through the foundation. So I just want to encourage everybody to do that. Now, with that, uh, I want to go ahead and welcome uh, to the show, not her first time on the show, uh, but we're going to go ahead and bring in Barb. Barb, how are you? I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks. And I've dressed for... in the colors of Australia, green and yellow. Oh, well, well done. <laughs> As and my 15-year-old are... daughter pointed out to me when I spoke to her this morning, Mom, you look ridiculous. What are you doing wearing that dress? And I said, oh, you know, I felt a bit Australian this morning. Well, I think you look great. And we're, we're glad to have you on. You are in Australia. Uh, so we appreciate, I assume you are in Australia today, yes? Well, I'm actually in, uh, I'm in London right now, but uh, oh. generally I'm in Australia. Got it. Because in Australia, it would be 11, 12, 1, it'd be 2 in the morning tomorrow, I think. It would be 2 in the morning and I would not be looking this good. <laughs> well, Barb, for those who have not met you and who don't know anything about you, why don't you give us uh, a quick escalator pitch? Like, who, who is Barb Hyman and why, why should people be paying attention to what you have to say today? Uh, so I'm founder and CEO of sapia.ai um, and I have a really unusual background for a founder. I'm neither a data scientist nor an engineer and I'm female so that makes me unique in this space and I come from a HR background, a strategy background and a legal background so I've been a bit of a career opportunist and what we've been doing for the last five years out of Australia but now working with clients globally and spending a lot of my time in the US which is really exciting is to bring humanity and dignity and equity to hiring. Something that I experienced when I was in HR and in talent is the lack of all of those aspects to the hiring process. And I'm delighted to say that we're growing like gangbusters, which is another Aussie term, and um, hoping to bring this amazing technology to the US market uh, this year in particular. Yeah, well, I'm excited about that. And I love the humanity, the equity, the dignity piece. Can you can you talk a little bit about sort of that that item? Because I know the way that we sort of we sort of promoted the show is that we were going to talk about res resumes. It's not it's not a sexy topic uh, unless you're talking about the fact Ooh, that I, I can make it very sexy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, that's why we're here. So, so let me just briefly touch on why I think those aspects of the experience matter so much is, you know, you're probably as um, exhausted as I am by all the discussion around candidate experience and how little has changed. For most people, you still have to put in a resume or you do a video interview or you sit a multi-choice experience. I don't know how in anyone's world that is an experience. And I uh, think the time is well overdue for a consumer experience in the recruitment world because ultimately it's about people. So to create something where people feel like they get to share their story of who they are and their words and their time and learn from that, that's empowerment, that's dignity. So that's what our technology does. I'm going to share with you my three reasons for why the resume needs to die. Do you want me to go straight into that, Chris? Yeah. Well, yeah, let's do it. Let's jump in because I, 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 I think I have an idea. We haven't prepped this. But I think for sure, I think for sure, you're gonna you're gonna bring up items. We're gonna talk a little bit about maybe the the rise of alternative assessment methods because I think employers are are increasingly using other methods to evaluate candidates, like skills tests or project based assessments, which is is a whole other whole other hot button for me. I mean, is that is that sort of where where we're leaning? Well, I I think first, 
you know, in the US, I'm really struck by how much attachment there is still to the resume, way more mm-hmm. than what I see in Australia. And I'm, I'm curious about why that is the case, right? So as an ex-consultant, I like to approach things from a first principles basis and a rational basis. So my three reasons, and you can challenge me on this, the first is that in a world of GPT-4, the resume is now completely redundant because Jerry can go online in the next five minutes and create a beautiful resume for any job he likes and it'll get through those parses. And it will certainly get through the, the human who's doing the screening. So anything which relies on resumes is now useless as a data set. That's my first, you know, provocation. I like to be provocative. The second is that if you think about resumes as a record of that candidate, right, that's ultimately what it is. It's a record of who that candidate supposedly is based on their experience, their degree, et cetera, mm-hmm. is you're all looking at the same record. Right. And bizarrely, LinkedIn is really the same thing. It's just another resume in a digital form. And how is that going to give you a competitive edge to discover talent and to assess talent that your competitors don't have? It's kind of crazy to all rely on exactly the same piece of information to source and screen candidates. What you're doing is you're just driving up the price of that talent. From a supply and demand perspective, you're all looking at the same person. Recruiters are looking at it with the same lens. All you're going to be doing is competing for the same talent and paying more for that talent. The skill is something that Peter Thiel identified years ago, and I'm not necessarily a fan of Peter Thiel, but in this I think he was brilliant, which is how do you find undiscovered talent? That means you can't be looking at the resume because everyone's looking at the resume on LinkedIn. And that's what you have to do right now in this world where, frankly, most jobs and new jobs, like what is a prompt engineer? Are there resumes for prompt engineer? How are you going to discover that skill set? So I think it's irrational from an economic perspective to be looking at the same reference point, the same data as the whole universe when you're looking for talent. But the third more powerful one, I believe, is that it's just a very inferior set of data from which to make any kind of screening decisions. So, you know, we talk about hallucination with GPT, that it makes shit up, right? I can swear because yep. I'm an Aussie. We, we're, we're pretty low-key over yep. there. Um, and you do that as well when you're looking at a resume. I'm looking at Chris's resume and it tells me, oh, he's had three jobs in two years. Oh, he's a job hopper. He's not going to be reliable. I'm not going to hire him. Or I'm looking at Je- Jerry's resume and it's telling me that he went to Yale. Oh, he must be incredibly smart, brilliant. Definitely move why, him through to the why next Why am I the job hopper <laughs> and, Jerry, and Jerry's from <laughs> Yale? <laughs> Thank you very much. I don't know. It's the beard, of course, you know. Of course, somewhere of along the line, they might they might infer my age uh-huh. from from when I graduated from wherever. That, yeah, uh, but that then you're, you're filled the with wisdom, right? Then the yeah. inference, yeah. the heuristic, yeah, wisdom. Be, you're, you're not not in our culture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're reading between the lines, right? Because yeah. there's really not that much there, and we're relying on these heuristics to infer what you know, that you're reliable, that you're smart, that you're going to work well with others, that you're a leader. It, it just feels so suboptimal as a data set with which to make any kind of decision. That's my third I, reason. What I what I love, Barb, is is that that third reason, it's just an inferior data set. Um, and, and fundamentally, we're all searching for a better data set. I would argue that the job description and the resume are not records of reality. They are marketing 
ploys, if you will, one by the candidate and the other by the company to to attract and engage. Um, and, and they are both inferior data sets. Um, no, very few companies are willing to tell me what the job really is uh, fundamentally until I've gotten excited about you know, taking whatever you're willing to offer me for it. And Jerry, who wants to read them? How many recruiters do you know read through the whole resume? How I, many I, applicants? I would do you argue know that in large companies, there is no such thing as a resume and hasn't been for many years because fundamentally what, what's been required is that you fill out a form, not not supply a resume. So I mm. I, I would think that the problem is is that when a candidate in fact does have a resume, um, nobody, nobody has ever read it, it, really, even if they've uploaded it, because all of it has been put into fields, but it's still a bad data set, is mm. the point, because it, it really just doesn't talk about the complete person and their mm. capabilities mm. in relation to that. Mm. I mean, it, it, I, it, it, I'd it, love to see the, the data on how many... Um, companies, I'm sure the ATSs and the HRISs have this data on how many resumes are being uploaded every day. I, 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 I still, when I and how many people actually read them, uh, you know, yeah. if yeah. I, I would, my hypothesis is that no, no recruiter actually reads the resume. Oh. It, it, they might, in fact, get to that for you know a very oh. small percentage. Okay, but so let why don't we boil it? Why don't we boil it down a little bit? So. What we're talking about is taking out all the adjectives and explaining all the work that someone has done and and literally bullet pointing very factually where someone has been. Because if you do anything more than that without a, a formal assessment, right, mm. uh, isn't it just still marketing material? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that means anything either. Yeah, right. Because agree. there's plenty of research that says that what you've done in the past is not necessarily predictive of success in the future. It's independent, you know, IO style assessments. It's also a um, a heuristic that what you've done before means you're going to be successful now. Well, but um, I so think, but then I, it comes. I, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, bro. I think then it comes back. Is there a growing trend towards skills-based hiring? Uh, yes. Right. Where employers are, are, are prioritizing a candidate's mm -hmm. skills over maybe formal education. But in order for an organization to embrace that, I mean, we're talking about we're talking about a, a further investment in in that talent, aren't we? Like, if I'm bringing you in because of the skills you have now versus the education I, I think you have. Mm -hmm. I still have to continue that investment somehow, right? Like I, I still so what, have to. What, what do you mean by skills when you use that word? What do you mean by skills? Uh, if I if I am telling you that I have um, proven uh, marketing and I and I give you a little track record uh, of of my successful marketing campaigns and how I can uh, maybe do internal sales of a program mm -hmm. or maybe I've driven adoption. Uh, for something or increased engagement. I mean, I, I recognize that those can be argued that they are subjective, but what, like, what are we saying? We throw those out and replace those with. So he, here's how I used to think about it when I was in HR and the training that I used to lead with our people leaders, which is when you're putting someone into a role, whether it's internal or external, I think there are three dimensions that matter to a successful decision. One is 
as an individual, do they have the capabilities to do what's required? And for, I believe, 80% of hiring that happens in the US, it's volume hiring. So what you've done before doesn't really matter. These are entry-level roles. Mm. Um, the second thing that matters is then if you're working as part of a team is, are you the right person for this team? And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're same as, you know, a me too. It requires the hiring manager to really look and say, do I want another Jerry? You know, I've got three Jerry's already. Do I really want another person who's imbued with wisdom and thoughtfulness and critical thinking? Maybe I want Chris, who's like the personality, right? I need to, I need to kind of jiggy it up a bit. And but you need to think about that from a team dynamic, right? Like that's really important to, as a hiring manager, to be thoughtful about what's the what's the right portfolio. But then where and am then I looking? But, but, but where am I looking? If if I'm if I'm not looking at a well, resume, what are you giving me instead? But I, but I think that's the first thing is you start with what are we trying to solve for here? We're trying to solve for how do we make the best decision around the individual, the team, and the culture. And then I walk back and I say, well, what are you looking for when you're doing that? If it's a job that doesn't require any hard skills, then it's really about do you actually have the propensity, the aptitude to be able to do this job? I'm hiring you into a you know warehouse forklift driver. Are you going to be reliable? Are you going to work well with others? Are you going to be incredibly obsessed about safety, right? Those are attributes that you can discover through different ways. There is traditional assessment, then there's a safer way through a scalable interview. On the team side, as a hiring manager, it's giving them something, not a resume, that gives insight into you to make the best portfolio decision, right? Mm -hmm. Is this the right person with the right temperament for this particular team? Do I want another person like that? From a company culture perspective, I think that's the one that is the most biased when those decisions are made because think about the number of people that have been rejected when they say, you're just not a good culture fit. That's like a cop out in Australian terms around not being clear about what you're looking for. So same but again, here. culture same is here. something that can be, yeah, culture can be DNA, right? Every company has a set of values. What's the values that you're aspiring to, or what's the culture that you're aspiring to? And let's break that out into a profile. You know, we're looking for smart people who are inspiring to others, who can look around corners, take people with them. Like it's it's definable. But I just don't see that recruiters and and talent leaders are thinking hard enough about what do we really want when we're making these decisions. They're spending too much time processing, screening resumes, pushing people through a funnel rather than automate all of that and use your intelligence, you know, use your advisory skills to really thought partner with the leader around solving for individual team and company. But but if I'm someone different though than what might exist today. Yeah, but, but yes. But, yeah. I, but I think, but if I don't have a resume, okay, and I don't have an assessment results, uh, like, a, like a portfolio to look at that is a result of someone going through some sort of alternative assessment, regardless of who the platform is, I don't, I don't have the ability to find and, and create a bench outside of a LinkedIn or outside of another, an alternative platform, depending on the level, right, of jobs or niche mm -hmm. of the jobs. Mm -hmm. And what mm -hmm. I get is the worker's profile. Mm -hmm. So that that's just what there yeah, is today I, at Mass. I, I, yeah, I agree. So I believe that what you need is true, comprehensive, objective intelligence about that individual, which does not sit in a resume. So how are you going to get that, right? Pick your choice of assessment. You know, if you think back to the olden days of Amazon, McKinsey, I was a BCG, we all hired in the same way. 
which is we run these structured interviews where Jerry and Chris get asked the same questions by four or five people for calibration, for equity. They're measured against a rubric. Like that's the, you know, that's the, certainly from an IO perspective, that's seen as now the most predictive and the fairest way to do it. And out of that comes some kind of profile. Sapiens effectively scale that through science and through chat. Um, that's what we've built. That's our formula. And we think that's a better way to assess. We don't like to use assess because we're effectively interviewing um, people in a way that is untimed and safe and comfortable and empowering. And most people have a negative connotation with assessment because they're mostly terrible. Um, it's not a video, um, but you know, you, you have to design a journey, right? That gives you the objective data to empower and equip the decision makers to make the right decision. Well, and it's definitely not a resume. You're, you're building reliability into an approach to how we interact, if you will, uh, that, that can be replicable and, mm -hmm. and come up with some of the same conclusions. And, and only when you can have high reliability in how you approach it, can you, can you get to some level of predictability? Mm. Uh, consistency, huge. Yeah. I think the challenge with humans having those conversations, you know, the limitations of what we did at BCG was that I can't help myself. I'm really going to connect with that person who just looks just like me in terms of their experience because that's what I think has been successful. Um, and so how do you interrupt that human part? There's definitely a need for the human, but it's at the far end, not at the front end. But I think, Jerry, it's about data, right? You know, you can get a job at a bank using a resume. You'll never get a loan from a bank using a resume, but there are still decisions of risk. How is it that every other sector has managed to de-risk really critical decisions by relying on objective data and, you know, not necessarily removing humans from the whole process, but certainly disintermediating their subjectivity as early on in the process as possible. So, so Barb, what percentage would you, would you say of employers pick your market or, or pick your niche and your function? What, what percentage of employers do you think are taking a new look at uh, that process and maybe pushing to the side, swiping a little bit left on, you know, online profiles and resumes and, and leaning in on, you know, these, these new wave of assessments? Not enough. <laughs> um, is my is my uh my again my second provocation is you know I think and look I feel like we've probably had this conversation in the past but coming back to first principles for any head of TA and looking at what are we trying to solve for here what is the business problem that we need to meet mm -hmm. and we're living in a world now where everyone is talking about automation the product productivity uplift from automation now is the moment you know, you've never had, we thought it was with COVID to reimagine and transform HR and recruitment now yeah. more than ever, right? Because you're, every CEO and board is saying, Jerry, what are you doing in HR and with TA? Because we have more people in TA than we do in any other part of HR. Surely you're thinking about automation. And so if you're not hearing that message, then there's something wrong with your board. Um, and if you are hearing that message, then how are you responding to that, right? So that's one opportunity, I would say. I've got a window right now to be a fast follower, to be a leader and reimagine the way we do things because my board has given me permission to do that. 
And then the second thing is, well, what really matters? Does tapping into undiscovered talent matter more because we're operating in a market where there just aren't enough people with the skills um, and we need to train them ourselves so it's more about aptitude? Does it matter that the experience is incredible because we're Airbnb and everything we do in our experience needs to be incredible? So, you know, I think not enough of these conversations happen about what's really important for us as a business. You know, to give you an example, we started to work with Qantas, who brought us in to replace a well-known video player four years ago. And the reason they did that is the Qantas is this amazing track record of moving executives around at the C-suite level. So the new CEO used to be the CFO, then she was something else and something else. So the head of customer for Qantas, which is a really successful brand, the most trusted consumer brand in Australia, the head of customer became the CHRO. And she just walked in and said, what are we doing here? Like we are running this as if these people aren't consumers. They're all people who want to be on a flight or a potential consumer, yet we're treating them, you know, as a third-class citizen. This needs to change. Only when that happened did the TA team sort of start to look at the way they were doing things and say, okay, what would a candidate-first, consumer-first experience look like? Then you go through COVID and suddenly it takes four months to get a plane in the air once it's been out in the desert. And what you have to do faster than ever is build capacity. So that forces a, a rethink of how you, you know, what your hiring process looks like. You know, these are the really interesting problems to solve in TA. And, and I just would love to see more TA leaders really look into the business and understand what's most important and let's design the process around that. I think there's too much buy an ATS, buy a CRM, buy a this, right? And like that to me is just leading to a world of companies being overstacked and they don't actually get the outcomes, right? Like what is the ROI of having an ATS and a CRM and an HRIS? Can you quantify that value to the business? That's the question I ask. Don't buy us because you just want another tool. You know, identify how you really measure success in your tech stack, tech stack before you layer on another, you know, another new tool. I think it is an, it is an important call out that I think organizations are hungry to do this differently. I think Scotia Bank is another one up in Canada who based in Canada, uh, who, do, who, who removed, if I'm remembering this right, somebody correct me if I'm getting it wrong, but if who removed the resumes uh, for college hiring uh, and for early career hiring. They just they did away with that process and they said they wouldn't take they wouldn't take any anymore. Uh, I don't think they're using uh, a product at, like Sapia, uh, but they are hungry to get away from that. That's and I'll just that tired delivery, mm -hmm. right, of a LinkedIn mm -hmm. profile or a Indeed profile or, you know, just a, a resume that's mm -hmm. been uploaded and then manually typed in right to the different systems. So I do think there is a hunger to do it differently. Um, and I, your it, perspective it's, is it's just. Kind of, it's, it's like, I don't understand why every campus recruiter is looking at a resume. Like, why would you ever use a resume for that hiring, right? It, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, I, I saw something that Code Signal did about a year ago, which I thought was so clever. They put out a leaderboard of here are the universities or the colleges where great engineering talent exists. And it didn't have mm -hmm. any memory of the obvious, you know, players on there. And like that's undiscovered talent. That's saying look beyond the degree and really understand someone's skills. And that's a goldmine of talent out there. So, well, I think I think the pandemic. One one of the most positive things that came out of the pandemic was diversifying college recruiting. Like the 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 impact that that had on forcing 
you know, recruiting teams and leaders to long, no longer go to their 12 favorite schools because the board mm -hmm. goes there or the CEO go, went there or whatever, and really break that out. It saved organizations mm -hmm. millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and some of them saw the most diverse cohorts ever come in uh, through those mm -hmm. internships. So it, it, it does the, that uh, collision of necessity Mm. Uh, and, and circumstance, mm. I think, does often push us to do mm. some things quite differently that, that, that can have a really positive impact. But mm. I, I wonder... You're just fishing in the same pool, you know, yeah, when you're well, going to... I push it back to you. It's like, what, what will force us to make that turn, to round that corner and get away from resumes? Will it be an innovative assessment platform that, that will scale? Will it be LinkedIn deciding to completely reinvent how they're how their profiles are sort of maybe maybe delivered uh, or they incorporate something there? Will it, will it just be some TA leader saying, ah, fuck it, enough's enough. Like we're just, we're not doing that anymore. We're doing it this way. So what do I think is the imperative in the world right now that drives people to say, banish the resume? It's the fact that there just aren't enough people with the qualifications that you think you're going to find in that resume. You know, US is what, 3%, 3.5% unemployment? Yeah. And even though everyone is catastrophizing that ChatGPT is going to destroy jobs, nothing's really changing. Um, mm -hmm. People are going to be employed in new jobs. Um, and that is the reality of, you know, tech disruption is there's that initial fear that everyone, you know, is, uh, is sort of overwhelmed by. But then we just find new ways to think about talent. And so you have to look for potential and train it yourself. Like I definitely think the old adage, again, I'm from my BCG days, was we hire for values and we train for skills. And they had people from every discipline imaginable, right? That was part of their secret sauce, right? You can be a music, you know, major. Maybe you don't have a degree. I mean, the other thing in the US I heard recently, correct me if I'm wrong, is that only 25% of people have college degrees. So does that mean you're missing out on just a vast amount of talent? Because what are you going to put on the resume if you don't have the college degree? So, you know, there are 900 million people on LinkedIn. There are 2 billion workers in the world. That's a huge talent pool that people aren't tapping into. So you've got to look beyond your traditional data sources, the resume, LinkedIn, and think, what do I really want and how can I cost effectively, you know, reach the universe of talent that gives me that before anyone else sees that talent, right? That's that's a secret power for organisations right now. Can I go into Ethiopia and source my next 100,000 cloud security engineers um, because they're an incredibly educated country, they speak good English, and I'll skill them up, right? You're not going to find them in the U.S. You'll be paying top dollar. So, but I, but I think that's I think the that. But that's where I think the intersection is. And I, I just don't know that the majority of employers are making that that training investment on the back end of the hire. But, well, or, they, they or, kind of have to, right? Because the ready-made talent is not there anymore, right? Uh, and roles are changing so quickly. So you know. I'd love to see some analysis from Burning Glass or from LinkedIn around what roles have come up in the last six months that didn't exist six months ago. You know, we're living in such a dynamic world of um, technology changing the way we do things that there are new roles that are going to be created all the time. You know, Agile Coach, I mean, anyone could be an Agile Coach if they got the right profile. You don't have to have Agile Coach on your resume. Yeah. It's a set of temperaments, right? Um, that didn't exist 10 years ago. Prompt engineer didn't exist three months ago. So I think instead of being obsessed about the title and your resume, think harder about what do they need to do? Like what would that in, intrinsic capability look like? And how do we get them from here to here 
Um, you know, it's I think it's much more build your own talent, but high for the right aptitude, which is in in anyone and everyone, right? It's not just in people like Jerry who went to Yale. Wait, if I'm I don't on know the top, what do I get to be, do, can I be the smart guy now if I'm on the top of the screen? Can I be Yale? I do, I do love this. Uh, and the conversation, this conversation has been going on for a hundred years. A hundred years. That, that fundamentally the balance of, of how we hire and how we develop, um, what that what that should look like in terms of our investment should we be investing in hiring people who can do the job today or hiring people that we can develop to do the kinds of jobs and be more agile so that as the job changes yeah. they change as well in terms of their abilities yeah. um, it is an important decision to make and a lot of leaders in a lot of corporations fundamentally have made bad decisions um, about that, about the weighting of that investment. Um, and I love the fact that that a lot of TA leaders recognize the importance of doing that, but may not have uh, the resources, may need to upskill their bosses <laughs> um, as well as themselves in order to get there. I do think it's a, it's a continuing struggle uh, to accomplish that. And I love the fact that one of the things that we do is try to identify those people who are making efforts to move the needle mm -hmm. and give them more visibility so that their colleagues and peers uh, might be inspired uh, to move that in that direction. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's why we're having this conversation right now that, that hopefully it inspires somebody to be able to say, hmm, maybe there's better questions mm -hmm. I should be asking before I get to the next level. And, I, and I, I totally agree with you. And I did let the 100 years ago line slide. I did let that go. But but I think it's important to call out that this is not a TA decision, right? Also, this is not just a matter of saying, oh, we're just going to hire X and we're not going to use you know resumes anymore. This, this is a cultural shift in an organization where maybe even historically hiring managers have said, I don't want potential. I want productivity now. I want them hitting the ground and running. Uh, and I don't want to have to hire somebody and wait, you know, 30 days, 60 days, six months until they're ready to go. And I think that is a huge shift of, and, a, and a mental and cultural shift in, in a lot of organizations that don't maybe have the resources coming out of the pandemic to kick off training programs or to invest in those resources or even the foresight to see that, that is the right direction for the organization. But it's also, I think, you know, Chris, like, look at me, I'm in sales, but I don't have sales anywhere on my resume, right? No one would hire me in a head of sales role. Yeah. Yet I'm kind of doing pretty well, you know, just saying. So, you know, I think here's a radical idea, right? So much of recruitment and HR is asymmetrical. It doesn't allow the individual to own their own career, to discover their own potential, to know their own power. And... To me, that is something that's going to change radically with the power of AI. Um, both what we're doing, you know, powered also or amplified by the likes of ChatGPT. What imagine a world where every single employee and every candidate actually knows their power. I know that I'm really great at these things. I've learned that through a conversation with Chat, and I'm going to go in to Jerry and I'm going to say, sell myself on that. Right? The resume is there because it's a data point, but it 
is overly relied on and we've all agreed that it's you know highly inferior and potentially biased but if you can put knowledge and power in the hands of the individual and the whole of the humanity starts to really know themselves you know Nival Harari talks about this he said in a world of AI knowing more about you what you need to do is build self-awareness that's what our technology does because we help people learn and it's intelligent chat it's not a you know simple chatbot but if everyone knew their power and their potential you know, a lot of this would go away. Like, what's the point of inventing in a talent marketplace if you don't actually know what you're capable of, right? We need to I absolutely agree with you, but Barb, we're we're not providing the candidates and the individuals with that information. We're providing employers with the information that supposedly they think they need. But I absolutely agree with you. If there's a shift in how technology is providing more value, if you will, to the individual's capability to understand themselves and and empower them to take action around that, um, it will shift uh, dramatically uh, the balance of power. I love, love the vision. Yeah, I love the vision. Yeah, Jerry, that's what we do. So my you know, passion has always been about, you know, the individual learning and growing. And and I think HR is too patriarchal. I think it's too much trying to curate people's journeys. If you can put the power in the hands of the individuals, so many of those systems you don't really need, right? And it, it it's it's always on. It's learning. It's, you know, people really trust this way more than they trust this, right? Trust what's on their phone. It's kind of scary. But um, if you can help people learn and know who they are, like, that's going to transform your life, not just the job that you're going to go for. And how to use it. I mean, it's it's yeah. more than having the information. It's also understanding the the implications of how to use it. And I do agree that mo- many of the, not many, but some of the new tools like yours are are put, the, the, the conclusions that you, you draw from them are put in the hands of the individuals who've, who've experienced that. And that's, that's powerful. 20 years ago, I, I can't think of a single assessment in which the candidate actually learned something. It was primarily the employer mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that was given the data and, and the rest was prevented. But now um, there is much more openness and transparency around, around the conclusions that one would draw from, from the data that's collected. That's powerful. Good stuff. Well, Barb, I mean, g- given the state of things today, uh, if you were going to, you know, we asked this of everybody before we close out, if you were going to write a book on where we're at today uh, and, and the stance that you're taking, what would the title of that of that book be? God, you didn't brief me on this, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um... Okay, I think I'd, I, I, you get, you're gonna, you're gonna be un, underwhelmed by this. I know. I, I think I'd say something like, HR 3.0, really, truly lean in, right? Be curious about what, what you could be doing, you know. And I, I think I'd say take, you know, put the human first. Maybe that would be the title. Put the human first. Human first. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. And who gets the first? signed copy of, of your newly written book. Well, it, well definitely you, you because, you know, can't, you can't, give, it to us. can't give it to us. 
Um, I think are you asking me that genuinely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So you know, so this is what I think. I think that if I sat across from Sacha Nadella, right, and I said, Sacha, what difference would it make to the power of GPT four if it actually truly understood the person on the other end? Would that make it a more compelling experience? Would that make it something that is really in my mm. control? So I would give it to him because I think that's what's missing about GPT four. It it's past the universe of content online doesn't understand the individual and to really impact the individual's life you need to know them and they need to know themselves so that's what i would be offering up to him love that love in that. case you're listening such an idella like that I, of course it comes down to know yourself yeah definitely, definitely one of live our up to that experience definitely exactly. one of our eight yeah. listeners that's an alternative sure title all right. Wonderful. Well, Barb, don't go anywhere. Don't hang up. We're going to put you in the green room for just a second. We're going to show events page that we've got coming up. we got some stuff ahead uh, that we want to encourage some folks to join us uh, for. Uh, but I'm going to put you in the green room. So just hang out for just a minute, will you? All right. Sure. And much gratitude. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. We really appreciate you dialing in from London. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Mr. Crispin, I do want to share this really quickly. Uh, we've got, we'll put us in the sidebar there, I guess, today. Uh, a couple of things coming up. You obviously saw Barb uh, just now. We did that presentation. Pretty exciting about that. But we do have uh, some meetings coming up on May 10th. We've got the EU pay transparency piece. Jerry, I know you are super duper passionate about this. You want to give a quick 20-second uh, overview of what, what to expect for that meeting? Well, I hope that we can come to some agreements around what a baseline might be around pay transparency. The, there are, you know, 49 out of 50 states that have made a, a play for pieces of that. And, and the issue is, what, what does our industry, what does our profession really think is a baseline below which you are not really recruiting? You are, in effect, abusing the relationships with candidates. And above which, there may be many paths to um, competitive uh, um ways of doing things so competitive practices so hmm. I, I just think that we have to have a conversation that says this is this is a stake in the ground and and we should be living up to the spirit of it not just the compliance issue i'm looking forward to that we have quite a few people that are dialed into that so that's going to be fun uh, we also have uh, Andrew Flowers coming back. Uh, he has become sort of a quarterly fixture uh, with Recruitonomics. He's going to do a, a recruiting economics discussion for us. That's also this week on the 11th. Uh, we've got the book club uh, where we're talking about essentialism. We're wrapping up that book. I'm actually surprised. I'm enjoying that book more than I thought I would. So uh, there's still time. It's not a super long book. So if you haven't read it yet, that is 100% open to everybody. Uh, and then we have Empower HR coming up on the 16th. Uh, and that is the HR.com event that's going to be in Phoenix. Uh, if you're still interested to go in that and, and you haven't signed up for that yet, let us know. We're happy to help uh, make that a reality for you. Uh, we do think that's going to be a really interesting event. We're excited about Matt Charney uh, and Deb McGrath and the folks sort of putting that on. So we're, we're super excited to help out where we can for that. All right. A anything else we should talk about quickly before we go, Jerry? No. Oh, well, then I guess that's the end. We'll say good night. Good night. We'll see everybody next week. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works.
Facebook.com and Twitter.com slash Career Crossroads and on Instagram at Career X Roads. We'll catch you next time. Come on.